<laughs> what is this music? <laughs> Who knows? My apologies. I um, welcome to the show. <laughs> what a what an intro. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. It's been a while. It's been a while. Happy New Year. Hey, it's 2022. We did it. That's it. We made it. It's our first show of the new year, 2022. So welcome everyone to the show this year. We are in studio. Nice, cool weather outside. So great to be with you. We, you know, we kind of take a break over Christmas, and then you know, then it hits New Year's, and and then before we know, it, we're like, hey, we got to get back into the studio. Yeah, that's right. And um, it feels so fresh being a new year. There's uh, that aroma in the air of like the New Year resolution. The mm. hey, we got a whole new year. What are mm. we going to make of it? And I think this year for the Paul George show, I think the story is going to be. Just just power. Power. A powerful show. Power. Just power, you know? Well, keep listening. You never know. It's yeah, I mean, good. it's going to We actually ended the year with a good show with uh, a guest, you know, which we rarely have these days. Right. Carlo Broussard. So it was good to have him. Anyway, yeah, people start off with, like, goals for the year. And, you know, you know, one of the things is that people do, like, a word for their year. Like, what's the word that God has for you for the year? You know, which is which is nice and cool. And I was having this conversation with our family, and now that we have a lot of older kids, you know, in college, high school, you know, we we have these conversations. Like it's you know, everybody's like, "What's your word for the year? Your goals for the year?" You know. So it was interesting because we were talking about that. And I was talking to my son, and and uh, he was going through some of his, which were so cool and great to hear. And he was asking me about mine. I said, "Well, you know, spiritually speaking." I begin to think about my spiritual goals for the year in Advent, which you and I have talked about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, during Advent, I, I begin to think about my spiritual goals for the year in Advent because the spiritual year begins in Advent. That's the, you know, when we begin. Now, we begin this sort of this new year, not sort of, but like 2022, where you kind of like, okay, what am I going to do this year? So it's good to think about goals and, you know, things you want to accomplish. But for the most part... Here we are, same people. Here we are. You're you still look the same, yeah. <laughs> act the same. I'm sure we're both going to grow this year. Hopefully, spiritually, mentally, Man, emotionally. I, I hope I grow. I hope I grow this year. If you grow bigger or taller, that would be impressive. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. But you know, spiritually taller would be nice. A little more stature, a little more sight. Isn't that the goal? That is the goal. Yeah. And I need God's power to do it. I think that's the word. God wants to move mountains this year, Paul, <clears throat> 2022. The word is power. Power. He's, and we're going to bring powerful. some heat, some power on the show today. So do you have a, have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So Paul, I know you follow animal beauty contests very closely. Yeah, it's one of my things. Yeah. Um, so you may have seen this. I don't know. But <laughs> for those who don't follow the animal beauty pageant world, um, there's a bit of an issue going on right now. There's a huge scandal in the Dubai Camel Beauty Contest. Oh, nice. I don't know if you've seen this. Okay. But um, Saudi authorities have gotten involved. So the police... It's serious. Gotten, yeah, this is a big deal. But basically what's happening is that camel owners have been injecting their camels with Botox mm. in their face... Um, this goes on in America all the time, <laughs> not with camels. Right. <laughs> but also other like un, uh, illegal touch-ups and injections, implants. And implants, these kinds of things. Wow. They've had to disqualify over 40 camels wow. from this year's competition. I didn't know it was that big of a deal where they had a camel contest of beauty, but I mean, it makes sense. It's sort of like a, you know, like a big animal out there like a, it's a big deal right you know whereas here is they have dog shows here correct you know and i've never been but i've seen them on tv and you know the, the way you groom them and all that i look i have no idea i'm not a, <laughs> a pet person and a matter of fact if you've ever been up close to a camel you know at a zoo or whatever or a safari type thing they, they are not real attractive no i don't i never thought like man i need to put this in a pageant animals <laughs> You, but that's okay. That's in, okay. In God's creation, and you look at him, you're like, you know what I love about animals, and I was actually thinking about this over the break because I, I took our, our littlest to the zoo. She had never been to the zoo, okay? And so I took her, and we have a small zoo here in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening on the podcast and you're not from here, and, and they're creative. They call it zoo, 
Louisiana. Zooziana. Yeah, Louisiana Zoo. And I was like, you know, it's just <laughs> way too catchy to be nice. So you go in and half the cages are empty. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. you know, but there's a few animals and, you know, they pretty much steal your money. And you go, but for little kids, it's like really impressive because they get to see animals they've never seen. And then half the cages are empty. Did I mention that already? <laughs> Including a camel. I'm not bitter, by yeah. the way, because half the cages are empty. And then, um, so, um, but you do begin to think, honestly, because a lot of these animals aren't, you know, native. Right. Right. You begin to think of how unique and amazing and creative and beautiful that God is to the, just this every little unique detail of a camel or a zebra or a giraffe or, you know, a lion or a leopard or an ostrich, things like you're just like unbelievable. And it really kind of does take you into this realm of experiencing nature and the beauty and creation that gives you, in a sense, an experience of God. Well, apparently um, the organizers of the Saudi Arabian Camel Contest agree with you because mm -hmm. so much do they value every detail of the camel that the take-home prize for the winning mm -hmm. camel, $66 million. Wow. Okay. They have money in that part of the world. Now we're talking. $66 million are given out in prizes at the annual camel pageant. So they appreciate God's creation in camels but this, a lot. This may be a thing I need to invest in. <laughs> yeah, get you a camel. <laughs> well, you have to be willing to, apparently it's a cutthroat world, the world of camel beauty pageants. So. Uh, okay, but let me ask you a, a question. Like if there were $66 million on the line, <laughs> would you be tempted to inject your camel with Botox? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I would be like, sure, let's do it. Hundred percent, right? And um, but anyway, they they they're having none of it this year. We need a clean a clean race, a clean pageant. Yeah. So they've cracked down, and forty camels have been have been kicked out. Your camels out. I've never had a pet that I thought could win any prize. We usually get. I mean, I like pets, but we usually get like um, you know, like shelter animals. We usually mm -hmm. rescue animals, that kind of thing. Right. And uh, those are usually not like the top breed or the whatever. Plus, I don't know how to groom dogs and i'm not sending a dog to a groomer for that purpose but uh I, I mean i love enjoying animals it's interesting you brought up like um the detail that god has and i think it's interesting how much humans need animals so in other words the detail that god pays to us in our hearts by actually having animals in our life because for some people and, and for a lot of folks animals meet a need in us i think of children you know like I don't know if you had a dog growing up, Paul, but there's just such a human formation that takes place when you have to care for an animal and have a relationship with a pet that you just don't get any other way. You know, for some people, it's with a dog or a horse or something like that. But caring for another living, breathing thing that's not human has just such an effect on us. Yeah. And I can't speak of it real well. I've never really had a pet. Oh. Yeah. And there's no wound there. You want a camel? <laughs> We'll get you one. I mean, if I had a camel, I, w I would ride it. I would ride that <laughs> thing to work. It would be a part of my life. Like, the, you know, that's amazing. If you've ever, like, camel is a huge a animal. Yeah. I mean, isn't it a massive animal? Like, it is dwarfs a horse. Like, it is, it is huge. Yeah. So maybe you could start the annual Lafayette camel ride, mm. camel race. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. That was good. Top prize. Yeah, well, we're talking about the new dollars. year. Power in the new year. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, maybe maybe a camel. That's that's kind of the deal, you know, this new year. So what's your word this year? What's God want to do in your heart this year? I think that's, you know, as we begin, it, 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 it you know, we think about goals and things, and I think oftentimes people set a lot of goals for the year, and I think they're all often too lofty to the point where when you don't, begin to see results or achieve certain goals and you just quit, you know, and then you go back to your old habits or old ways or just whatever. And I always think it's, it, it's really good to, to, to kind of be laser focused, to simplify your, your plan and your goals and, and so that you can achieve and like make those steps to growth, right? Like, so, you know, at the end of this year, I want to grow a little bit in what area and how, and then just focus on that. There's an art to changing, to conversion, but it's an urgent art to learn. I mean, I think if the Christian 
finds themselves in a situation that after five years they're basically the same person, you know, the same prayer life, the same virtue level, you know, there's something not happening. And part of Christian life is coming to terms with this art of change and conversion, being used to change, not change of life circumstances necessarily. I might have the same job, I might have the same family, hopefully I have the same family. But um, but I change interiorly, you know, I become a better person, I become more mature and in an active way, not in a way that life just happens to me and changes me, but in my relationship with Christ and following him, I'm participating in my own conversion. And a lot of times we we're asked to discern how we need to change. And the Lord wants us to really think about that. And it's a it's a tough question. He did this on earth, right? When he he said, Well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked people that. Like so they had to think, they had to reflect, and they say, Well, this is what I want you to do for right. me. And so for a lot of us, particularly at a new year, if you're trying to say, you know, simplify, like you said, what does God really want done in me? The first aspect of that I think is actually discerning that and sitting with that and say, Lord, help me to see that one thing or that that thing that you know, I actually want to change and you want to change this year. Yeah. And don't be afraid to do it. I mean, maybe this is the year that you get a spiritual director or the year mm-hmm. that you go to counseling. You know, the year that you deal with an issue you haven't dealt with, you know, this, maybe this is the year you do some hard work or you go back to school or, you know, you make a hard decision to do something that's been on the back burner, you know, and sometimes to get off the ground with that is really difficult. You know, we, in the spiritual life cycle of the church, like we went from Advent into Christmas and this beauty, you know, and then, you know, we, with the epiphany and, and the beauty of that. And then what happens? We go right into ordinary time. Right, like where where God Jesus becomes part of the ordinary life, and so we do find ourselves in the new year with this excitement and these goals and Christmas, and we're ready, and then all of a sudden, like we get this sense and this feeling a few weeks in of like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm still the same person, right? Like because you are, it's and it's ordinary time that Jesus enters the ordinary of our life and wants to do work in us and wants us to walk with him in the ordinary of our day. And and then you, you, you're in this ordinary time, which leads us into Lent, which is this, you know, repentant season, right. Of, of really kind of emptying of ourselves of, of God calling us back spiritually to, to, you know, abandon ourselves to him. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting in the, in the old calendar back in the day, um, there was like a little a little Lent Sunday before Lent. Do you know about this? Mini Lent. I think it's um, Quadrissima. No, Quintrissima. I don't know. It's so many days before Easter. But it's exactly what you're describing is like, all right, take a moment to reflect on when Lent's still a couple of weeks out on where we need to change. Like, in other words, do an examination of conscience, kind of think about what God's calling you to so that when you get to Lent, you have that in mind, you have that in place to choose penances and to, and to go through a program. And it seems like the ordinary life that we're living these next few weeks coming off of Christmas, like you said, is a great opportunity to just pay attention, like pay attention to our relationships, our work, our family for those red flags that like, okay, there's something in me that needs to change. So it'd be a good time to just listen, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to your spouse, listen to your uh, friends, <laughs> like where where are those red flags coming up so that the season of Lent that's only a month away, a little more, right. uh, can be very fruitful for us. But now is a good time to listen, I think. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, in, in Louisiana culture, Cajun, French culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, going back, you know, all woven in Catholicism is, you know, the epiphany, we begin the, the festival season, right? Mm-hmm. It's ordinary time, but it's also, you know, this time of like celebrating before Lent, you know. And so here in, in South Louisiana, you know, Mardi Gras season, you know, begins, you know, parades and, I mean, balls and parties and things like that. And those are all fun and good things within context, but they can also be distractions. And, and I think mm-hmm. one of the things in the spiritual life that we ultimately have to be aware of is what are those things that distract me? And they aren't always bad things. could just be like old habits, ways of doing life, ways of doing things, things that we, you know, rhythms of our life that we do or 
you know, things that just distract us from hearing God and making change and, and moving forward, right? Mm. And I think there's a lot of distractions. And then what ha- ends up happening is we end up at, you know, Mardi Gras and then Lent comes and it's like two, three weeks in the Lent and people are like, oh, it's Lent? Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, we're all, we're halfway through it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like there's no real intentionality, I, n- not in the sense that people don't want to be, it's just there's so many distractions to kind of, you know, get us off track. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot in my own life is like, you know, what are some like little distractions in my life that just kind of get me off the rails a little bit that keep me from moving in the direction that God wants me to go, maybe beginning a new habit or, you know, growing in a certain virtue or, uh, you know, deciding to deal with a certain thing. You know, God might be inviting you to do to do something that you haven't done this year. Maybe you reconcile with someone. You know, maybe, you know, some, there's going to be something that God's going to ask you to do, n- not for the sake of pain, but for the sake of freedom. God wants us to be free. And and sometimes freedom requires hard work, making a hard decision, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up counseling and spiritual direction earlier. I think this is a prime time pre-Lent to visit a spiritual director or, or a counselor if you need, because we only know what we already know. You know, it's not like we're going to get hit with a lightning bolt and get some clarity and insight. I mean, sometimes that happens in prayer, you know, but about our life and about our character and about the way we need to grow, we, we already have an idea about that. We need some input from other people into that equation to really get some traction and, and make some uh, some movement and conversion. And traditionally, the way we do that as Catholics is that we sit with people who are familiar with the spiritual life or the uh, life of the mind, life of the soul. And we tell them what's going on, and they journey with us for a bit to help us see, oh, well, the Lord might be calling you to this. You know, like, this is a way you can grow, and this is a new way you can look at it. And so if you've never had that experience, either with the spiritual director or a counselor, to talk about your life in that way, you know, here's here's where my struggles are, here's kind of where things get off the rails sometimes. Um, if you've never done that, this is time. You know, before Lent, about a month out, get at least one or two meetings with somebody like that to get some kind of clarity on like what God might be asking you to change or go through a change during Lent. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Happy New Year, Adam. Deacon, the one and only. There's not too many of us. Thank, you be, thank the Lord. You began, you began the show just laughing. Well, you know, I, I heard the first few seconds of that song and I thought, oh, that's... But then it turned into this, like, I don't know, dance music thing that doesn't quite fit our brand. <laughs> <laughs> that we know our brand. That was off-brand. Yeah. It, was, it was very, very <laughs> off-brand. You know, so that's my that's my fault. <clears throat> that's your fault. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> we first show of the new year. Why not start off with a bang? That's right. You know, you're talking about power. <laughs> yeah, you know it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the word power, and this Sunday, in the readings, you know, we begin ordinary time. You know, we're in ordinary time, and it it goes ordinary time really follows the life of Jesus, right? The day-to-day life, you know, the miracles, the things, the things he said and does within the Gospels. And then we land right here at the beginning of the year in ordinary time, and the reading this Sunday, the Gospel, is Jesus' first miracle, the wedding feast at Cana, right, in the Gospel of John. I mean, this, this amazing, powerful miracle, and you're talking about power, mm-hmm. right? Like, they had no idea the power of Jesus, right? Like, 
like what his ministry, what that he was God, like people didn't know. And like he, he comes out in a very simple way at a very ordinary thing, which is a wedding, right? Something that we all know and have been to. Something beautiful, certainly, certain something certain, sacred, absolutely. It's here that we, you know, we see Jesus, uh, um, you know, make sacred uh, the wedding, right? The 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 vows, the 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 sacramentality of marriage, right? But it's here in the ordinary, like a a wedding that Jesus performs his first miracle, and it's a powerful one at that. It, like it's a it's simple but powerful, something that you and I couldn't do, but no, he can't, right? The wedding feast at Cana, right? He he changes the water into wine. He gives the couple and the guests the abundance of what they need, the best wine, like something they never thought could happen. Uh, and and there Jesus is to to deliver uh, a basic need, an ordinary thing that becomes very powerful in the life of this couple and in his friends. Well, of course, God chooses everything about his life because he's God. So Jesus doesn't just live his life. He chose his life, every aspect, right? So he was, chose to be born in Bethlehem. He chose to be part of the holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. This was God's decision. And where did he choose to have his first sign, his first miracle at a wedding? And it just it always strikes me <clears throat> that that water-to-wine effect is exactly what Christian marriage is. You know, like, what did Christ come to do for marriage? He takes the good of human marriage, which, you know, you don't have to be Christian to get married. Um, natural union between man and woman is a good thing. It's like water. It's very good. It's life-giving. It gives life to the world. It's it's a source of life for, for all. But he elevates it and makes it something amazing that we had no idea he would do, which is wine, right? Like he turns water into wine. And so I, I just, every time I hear this gospel reading, but particularly lately, just knowing some some struggles of friends and their marriages, you know, Jesus has to do that, you know, and, and Christian couples can often stop looking to Jesus to turn water into wine in their marriage. They just kind of assume they're stuck with the water, and sometimes the water's not very clear. Sometimes the water's not drinkable. Sometimes it's not pleasant to drink the water, and they're just hungry for wine, for God to do something to to work in their marriage and move in their life. And so, uh, you know, don't give up hope, even if it's been a year, two years, six years, ten years of struggling, wanting for Jesus to do something. He can turn the water into wine. Like he can make um, our marriages exactly what he wants them to be. Anyway, so those, that's where my thoughts go when I hear that. Like the Lord loves married couples so much that that's his first miracle, and the miracle is in fact saving a wedding, saving a marriage, right? Like saving the couple, like you said, um, as a couple, and only he can do it. Yeah. No. I mean, let's not overlook the fact that this miracle happened at a wedding for the couple, but anyone in our lives, like we, as Christians, we believe that miracles still happen, that Jesus is still alive, that in the ordinary of our life, that, that God can move mountains and turn water into wine and, you know, uh, transform our hearts and our minds, give us mercy when we never thought we deserved it. Give us forgiveness when we didn't think we could give it, like give us love and hope and joy. You know, one of the things that the word that I've been praying with since Advent has been the word joy, and that's become my theme and, and word for the year to pray into it. But as I was praying into that, and you mentioned it in the last segment, is really praying and listening to God. Like, what is what God putting on your heart or asking or telling you? And really felt the word receive, receive mm-hmm. joy. Like, not, like, not just experience joy, but to receive it. Like, the gift of God is to receive him, the life of God in us that we receive at baptism and confirmation. But in God's grace, every day, just asking God to fill my heart with with his life. And from there flows joy. And this reading, like you don't think like there was joy in the miracle, right? Of course, the Mm -hmm. joy in in the fact that there there was abundance of wine at this party, uh, at this wedding, at this reception. And there's so many things at play here, you know, so as you read the gospel this week leading up to Sunday, like dive into this, like really look at it and pray with it. But one of the other things that, that is at play that that's evident is the role of Mary in the life of Christ and in the life of the church and, and now in our life, right? The miracle, the first miracle of Jesus happens 
with Mary in the picture, uh, going to her son um, <clears throat> and asking him to do to perform the miracle, right? Yeah, I remember um, an old priest gave a beautiful homily about this passage. He was talking about how God desired to give every grace and work every work through the vessel of a mother's heart. It's like God who wants to bless the world, wants to bless the world with his grace, with his son, with salvation, with all these things. He does so through the love of a mother's heart. That's how God wants to do it. And um, I just think that's beautiful. And if, if people are striving to have a relationship with Jesus without the context of a relationship with Mary, what we miss out is the exact vessel in which God wanted to give us his son, which is the, the, the heart of his mother. And again, this was not a mother that he just found, or like you and I, we didn't pick our mother, we were just given our mother, right? But God chose his mother, God formed his mother, God created his own mother, so that he would give himself in his son, give his son through that mother. And so that's his will, that's his plan. Even in this first sign, this first miracle, Mary is the one that instigates the whole thing because of her pity for the couple. She sees the couple, and what she says to the Lord exactly is, they have no wine. And uh, I remember Pope Benedict in the homily about this, on how this is what Mary continues to do. She looks at the world, she looks at our family, she looks at our at you know people that are lost without Jesus and and she tells her son they have no wine right mm-hmm. they don't have the wine of the joy of knowing Christ and this moves his heart to answer right like anytime a missionary goes anywhere to spread the gospel what happened first was our lady seeing those people being moved like our lady of guadalupe seeing the millions of people that the church was ready to evangelize and saying to her son, they have no wine. And he responds to her and sends missionaries and sends the church to give them the wine of the gospel. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you're walking through anything right now to walk with Mary, right. Mm-hmm. To allow Mary to, to, to walk with you in whatever you're walking, suffering, whatever you're praying for, whatever word you got, whatever you're dealing with, walk you to the Savior, her son, right? Like like, like she, as a mother, does this, and, and this is the first miracle. I mean, Mary's there at the first miracle, not only present, request Jesus to do this, and he says, woman, which, it, you know, we think, oh, well, why he's calling his mom woman? No, it was like a, a term of love, right? Like we would go to our mom in our terms and semantics would say, mother, hey, mm-hmm. You know, like, mom, right? Like, he, you know, she comes to him and he's like, you know, what do you want me to do? She's like, this, this is what I want you to do. And he does it, right? Like, he, like he's, he's like, it's not my time yet. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's my time, <laughs> right? Like, I know your time is your time's now. Like, this is important. And like, you know, we go to Mary through prayer, through the rosary, through, through requesting, like, to, to, to draw us closer to Jesus. And, there are times, that, you know, I've heard someone say, like, that there are times in our lives where there might be obstacles in our hearts, brokenness, wounds, types of obstacles, that we just don't feel like we could approach Jesus, right, or, or God. But the gentleness of Mary, we feel comfortable in her motherly love to draw us closer, Right. Wherever you are in that, you know, this new year, like, you know, as I'm praying about receiving joy, like Mary wants to help me with that as well, you know, to, to draw me closer to her son, to receive that joy in a more abundant way. She, she desires for me to have good wine, to have the wine, the overflowing wine. Like they were, they had wine left over, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like they were, you know, at the, at the bottom barrel, you know, God doesn't want us to live a life that's. It's just dripping, you know, but, but abundant, flowing, flowing with love, flowing with mercy, flowing with joy. That's the life he's inviting us into. Yeah. And Mary cooperates in that life. You know, she's not a, she's not just one of the crowd of saints kind of cheering us on, you know, like, like the cheerleading section in heaven, like go get him, Paul, you can get him. She's, she's actually an active participant in our very salvation. Yeah. And she looks at us and tells her son, you know. 
look at look at Deacon Adam there. He's struggling. He has no wine. And I mean, she is one of the reasons Jesus is in my life. And so there's a certain debt owe to her as my mother, but there's also a certain, um, you know, just like water to wine idea. My relationship with Christ without Mary is like water. My relationship with Christ with Mary is like wine. Hmm. That's the difference she can make in, in my intimacy with him. Um, and for me to imagine anything else, I just haven't heard the full gospel yet. You know, I just haven't heard the whole story. If I think that me and Christ is all there is, and it's not me, Christ, Mary, and St. Joseph, and all the saints, and the angels, but Mary in a particular way, I have not yet been fully evangelized, and I haven't quite joined the ranks of the saints who all have a devotion to her. I mean, you can't name one Catholic saint that didn't love Our Lady because they got the full gospel. They got the big picture. They had the good wine in their life. They received it, and part of that was their love of Our Lady. It's it's not extra to Christianity. It's essential to it. Yeah, it's like if you're in a game, you know, Mary's not in the stands. She's mm-hmm. in the game. Like she's she's like on the you know, like she's in the game. You know, like yeah. actively with us. You know, and like this is the the gospel reading. You read it like no, Mary's not like sitting off on the side. It's like she's in in the game, in the reception, she's in present, she's with Jesus, like it, it's all happening, you know, and mm-hmm. the same Mary that was there at the first miracle, it's the same Mary that was there at the very first miracle of the birth, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's the same Mary that was there at the crucifixion, the miracle of Jesus' death, right? It's the same Mary that was there at the resurrection. Like, like, like it wasn't like she just played like the role of like birthing Jesus and then disappeared, you know? Right. She was the first disciple, the greatest of all disciples, the one who is the closest to Jesus, you know, and she desires for us to turn our lives from water into wine, like, like to have the, the abundance, you know, of that. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of the Christian life. Like as we approach this year and we look at it spiritually through the lenses spiritually of our life is like, yeah, like what in my life, you know, is needs to like change from water to wine, you know, mm-hmm. because water's still good, mm-hmm. but what, what can be better, you know? So sometimes it's not things that are so drastic. Maybe it's growing in your prayer life, being more consistent in certain areas of your life uh, and just growing in that. I mean, it'd be very, something very simple as growing in an area that you're, you've been trying to grow in, you know? Yeah. What our lady teaches us is that, Growth spiritually isn't so much about like, it's not like you're training for a contest. Um, so, you know, I don't grow spiritually when I become, you know, it's not like Rocky. Remember Rocky and that famous montage when he's getting ready to fight the Russian and he's training in the bitter yeah. cold. I mean, that's that's a really good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But spiritual growth is not necessarily like that. <laughs> I mean, it, we do need strength. We do need, a you know. But true spiritual growth is a growth in intimacy with Jesus. In other right. words, I have a more intimate relationship with him than I did before. And Our Lady, this is her specialty. No one's more intimate with the Lord. No one's closer to him than her. And so if we're going to learn intimacy with Jesus from anybody, it's her. And, you know, I don't know if you ever had this experience, Paul, where you you know someone in your life and they're just kind of an enigma to you, like their their personalities, like you, they just kind of, wow, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And then you meet their parents and now they totally make sense. Right. <laughs> you ever had that experience? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I thought I knew this person, but now I really know this person. Mm-hmm. Can't we acknowledge that that is very true of our Lord Jesus, who is the most unique person that's ever lived on this earth, the most human person, uh, the divine person, but human nature, the the most unique, unrepeatable human nature ever will make no sense to us unless we know his parents. And hmm. God formed his parents to form him. Hmm. He received his human nature from Mary, from St. Joseph. And so um, anyway, so intimacy with this person, Jesus, requires getting to know his mother so I can get to know him and I can, I can kind of get inside his head, get inside his heart, uh, which is why he gives us his mother as our mother as well. Yeah. No, and I think it's, you know, I mean, it's a great point. And you're looking at, you know, your goals for the year as we kind of connect it all back. It is, it's certainly great to have maybe a financial goal this year, maybe a goal to, you know, like, uh, 
like a like a health goal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a goal for you know um, with your friendships and a goal for your family, and you know you kind of go through those. But there's no greater goal to set than a, than a spiritual goal because mm-hmm. everything should should revolve around that, like God at the center, that growing in our life and steering our life, and then everything else just begins to 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 ripple from there. So so Jesus enters into the wedding, right? It becomes the center of the sacrament, you know, and then the marriage flows from there, right? Like one of the ways that, that we look at this also is that Jesus institutes marriage as a sacrament from this reading because he enters into it, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is why we get married in the church and we make vows uh, and uh, it, it becomes a sacrament, sacred, because Jesus isn't on the onset. He's not on the outside. He is in the center of the marriage, right? This is why it becomes very difficult to for an annulment, like which you work on, uh, you know, because because there's a there becomes a bond. Uh, everything becomes meshed together with God at the center. That's the beauty of it, right? Like Jesus becomes a part of it. Our whole life flows from there. Like that is the 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 essence of the Christian life. Like Jesus at the center, living on the throne, and our lives become lived from there. And certainly, we can succeed at other areas of our life. You know, business and finances and family and food and friends. I'm going with some F's here. Uh, <laughs> fellowship and fun, fun and <laughs> fitness and <laughs> all those. But but faith is at the center. You like those? Nice. All those F's. Right there, right there, and that's that's what that's what we get from this reading is that Jesus and Mary are at the very center of this sacrament, mm-hmm. the sacred time, which is our life. Our yeah. life becomes that. Yeah, and you know, if we we talk about the battle of prayer often, or like the the spiritual battle, um, and I didn't want to imply earlier that we don't need to be really strong spiritually because we do. But why? What is the battle over? And why do we gain spiritual strength? It's to protect, protect and provide for our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, that's why, is that people want to destroy my relationship with Jesus. There are princes and principalities and powers, and the devil wants me to get my eye off the ball, to stop looking at Jesus Christ in the face and to stop being intimate with him. That's what the devil wants. So he's he's after that relationship. And so... Our Lady, who the devil has no, there's no stain of sin on her. There's no shadow of his presence. There's no, there's never been any aspect of Our Lady that the devil has anything to do with. She protects us from this, right? Like she helps bring us into an intimacy with him. And in our marriages, what do we long for the most? Intimacy with our spouse. And those, when we, what hurts the deepest is feeling distant or a lack of union with this spouse, right? Um, and so Our Lady knows intimacy, and she knows closeness. She knows how to abide and to remain with the Lord and with each other. And so, uh, yeah, what a great teacher for us, mother for us, to grow spiritually in intimacy with, with her son. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Happy New Year. First show of the year. It's like show 187. Seven. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. This is now, I guess, the, like, I don't know, fifth year of the Paul George show? I don't even 2022? know. We, we talked about changing the name and rebranding. I like it. And we just like keep going name. because yeah. we, we're just like, <laughs> let's just keep doing what we're very, doing. The name's very clear. Who is this person talking? It's Paul George. Yeah, but, I mean, it's us, Clarity. really. It's really... Yeah. It should be the Adam and Paul show, really. 
Well, maybe in 2022 we'll, we'll, we'll get our act together. <laughs> Let's get some votes out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should do it. Oh, we can call it like shows about nothing or... Um, Deacon Paul, and, The Deacon and Paul show, the, the Paul and the Deacon show. Paul and the Deacon. That sounds like a good band name. Yeah. Paul and the Deacon. Yeah. Speaking of the Paul and the Deacon, how about we, of course, because we always do what we always do. <laughs> Nothing if not Begin consistent. the new year with a six-pack of questions. Question. <laughs> All right, so question number one. Um, we started the show talking about this new year and having like a goal, a word, these kinds of things, and setting goals and all that. Um, so I want you to actually speak to your experience of like helping people figure their life out. And if somebody needs help with that, like what, how can they find help with that? You know, when it comes to setting proper goals, especially for personal growth and professional growth, what advice would you give to people and what work have you done to help people figure out those goals? I think if we, if we sit in quiet and reflect on our life, we know what we need. Like we're not, you know, oblivious to that. Like we know like the areas or the things that are on our heart or ways that we want to grow or virtues. And, you know, we can sweep that under the rug and pretend, but like, I think if we're real honest, like there, there's things that like are on our heart that we're like, yeah, like that, that's a good thing for me. Like that's where I want to grow. And we certainly can run that by other people. Like, hey, what would be a good word for me? What would be something, a way that I could grow this year? Like, what, what do you see in my life that, you know, not so much that I'm lacking, but as much as that God wants to do in my life or give me like a, a real positive thing. And, um, you know, and, and and then just just write it down and really pray with it and let that be a theme throughout your prayer and your experience. And as you move through this year of, or in air time and you go into Lent and then you know, it's just like, Lord, what, what are ways that you are trying to teach me or show me or grow me in this area that you've really put on my heart and help me to really focus on that? You know, so if you do a retreat or you have prayer time, it like that becomes a theme for you for the year. Nice. All right. Question number two. We uh, talked about the great 2021 scandal of the uh, camel beauty pageant in yeah. Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that. You never really had like pets. Yeah. All right. So my question is, I imagine this is a full-time job raising a prize winning $66 million winning camel. Like this is an all-in effort. If you had to make a full-time job caring for an animal or groups of yeah. animals, which animal would it be? Would it be like a horses, cows? Like now, I love the outdoors. It's one of my things. And I love animals. I love, you know, yeah, I love the beauty of creation. And so like that that's kind of where a lot of times where I find a lot of my great prayer time and solace and contemplation, right? But I don't really like taking care of a pet. You know, I don't like cleaning <laughs> up all the stuff. I just don't have the patience or like I really don't enjoy it. Like some people love it, you know? And I have enough kids to have companionship and a wife and like maybe when I'm older I'll need a dog. Like I everyone's different. Like, so there's there's no there's no judgment there. But I do think like if I did become an animal person, in a sense, like it would be large animals. Like mm -hmm. I'd love cattle. I'd love horses. They kind of take care of themselves in a lot of ways. You mm -hmm. know, you're not like having to take them out to go potty. Like they do their thing and it just, mm. it's part of like the experience. Like it's almost kind of like the smell is like part of the beauty, you know, it's of beautiful. a pasture and, you know, like a barn and things like that. So like, I love larger animals. They're just more expensive, like a lot more. And, yeah. and you know, it's not something that a season of my life and something that <laughs> I, you know, you kind of grow up into like horses and cattle. You kind of raised into that. But anyway, that if I had to, to answer your question, it would be that. So you'd be a rancher. And if I lived, you know, in Saudi Arabia or Dubai, it would be camels. Yeah. You know, I'd be more of a camel than a puppy guy. That just would be me. Would you wear a cowboy hat on your ranch? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, mm. Yeah, and I have a cowboy hat. I Whoa. would wear it. And, nice. Yeah, I would totally. Yeah, absolutely. You would man. own that. Yeah, I would That's totally good. own it. <laughs> All right, question number three. Uh, we talked about the Wedding Feast of Cana and the Miracle, which is this coming Sunday's gospel. And um, we talked about weddings. I want to know about uh, some of those beautiful weddings you've been at, because you've you've helped a lot of couples prepare for marriage, and so you go to their, their uh, weddings and whatnot. But tell me about, like, maybe the top one or two beautiful experiences you had at a wedding that were, like, just spiritually deep. Hmm. You know, And I guess yeah. I hope all of us has been to at least 
one or two weddings that just have such a spiritual depth to them that it's so moving. Tell me about that experience with you. Yeah, it's hard like to go to a wedding that doesn't have mass because like a wedding with mass, like that's it's just the liturgy, Jesus being present, like is so beautiful. But I found that within the context of that, right, like as the backdrop, that the most beautiful weddings are the ones that are the most human. Mm. You know, it's not like this, you're just staring at this painting, you're like, okay, like it's pretty, like it's human. Like people are loving and crying and laughing and it's imperfect and you just love it because that's what marriage is, right? Mm. And within the context of liturgy, it's happening because the liturgy is perfect, but the people performing the liturgy are not perfect. God uses imperfect people, imperfect priests and deacons. And you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of the liturgy. God takes everything that's imperfect and makes it holy. That's what happens in marriage. Two imperfect people come together, and God wants us to grow in holiness over time. And I love that. I love seeing the imperfection of that and in a, in a good way, the human. It, it's very human. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, question number four. Uh, we talked about Our Lady a good bit and kind of the role she played at Cana and the role she wants to play in our life. Um, help us kind of think about devotion to Our Lady beyond like, I mean, obviously we should pray the rosary. We should we should have those dev- devotions that are like regular and faithful. And, you know, that's part of any relationship that we talk to people. But what's kind of behind that? You know, like what's what's what does it mean to love Our Lady and to kind of like pursue a relationship with her? I think it starts with what is it what does it mean to let our lady love us? You know, I think sometimes maybe a lot of people would agree or I don't know that the hardest part of love is not so much loving as much as letting ourselves be loved, mm. right? And allowing ourselves to be loved by the blessed mother. Like opening our like that there's more vulnerability in that. And then from there, there's receptivity of that. Like I, I return that love for receiving it. Same as in our relationship with the Lord, right? But what would it look like for for you just to say, like, I'm just going to let Mary love me. And I, I don't know what that looks like. So as I pray in, in devotion or ask or whatever, I'm just going to let Mary kind of meet me where I'm at. That's profound, man. That's deep. All right, question number five. We're talking about power this year, you know. (laughs) Power, that is powerful. Uh, uh, Question number five, um, water to wine. God, you know, wants to do this work in us. Um, What what does it mean to let God actually change us? Because, you know, I find a lot of Catholics struggle with feeling like they're not doing enough, feeling like they're still bad people, still feeling like they're still not adequate Christians and all this stuff. But then other people seem to have this confidence that like, yeah, God changed me. Yeah, like, yeah, I used to I used to be more into sin and I used to be more of a jerk, but you know, the Lord's working on me. What's that difference? Like how do we how do we sit in a confidence that Jesus is actually moving in my life? He's he's changing my water into wine all the time. And what separates that person from someone who just can't see that? You know, like I just, I, I just feel for those people that day in day out just don't think they're good enough for Jesus, but they're trying so hard year after year, you know, month after month. Where we're not good enough. I mean, Saint Paul says, you know, in our weakness we're made strong. You know, and Saint Therese talks about unless we become like little children, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean to be? humble to be so needy on God that we can't live life on our own, right? I find that people that kind of have the, like the most maybe faith or joy or peace aren't the people who have it all together or who are perfect, but the people who realize how imperfect they are and that everything that happens in their life, good, bad, you know, grace, it's, it's all Jesus, right, working in them. That's That's what I'm trying to do. Like, just realize that, like, Certainly, I could build in all this structure and prayer and practice and virtue, but even any of that on my best day isn't done without grace, mm. isn't done without me knowing that I, I, I can't do anything without God. Like, I am a, I am a child, right? I am, I am weak, and, and through God, there's beauty and grace and strength. That's where we, we sit, and it, 
when we accept that, I think there's a lot of freedom, you know? Mm. When we admit that, there's a lot of freedom. And I think what's happened a lot in the church is that not many people talk about weakness and brokenness and, like, failure. And, like, we're constantly talking about, like, perfection and striving and, you know, doing more. Not that that's bad, but none of it's done without us understanding, you know, who we are. It's awesome. All right, so if God gave you the power to turn water into any drink, but mm. not wine, mm-hmm. now think think this through, that the rest of your life, wherever there's water, you could turn it into another drink, what would it be? Oh, man. Milk. <laughs> really? Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. You know. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, I love milk. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I don't drink as much. When we first got married, we were pretty pretty broke mm. like like you know living on i mean and we've yeah and i loved milk and i, I had no idea go through like milk. gallons of milk and finally like my wife had an <laughs> intervention <laughs> with me you know she's like you can't you can't drink that much milk we, we can't afford that much milk and so i slowly stopped my love for milk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stop drinking milk. This is eye opening. Yeah. And I, you know, I should get back to milk. Oh, I should man. really just get back to like. Well, just, if you get that cattle you were talking about, you can. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. You see, because milk comes from these, this big animal. You know, it's mm-hmm. not water. You know, water, milk doesn't come from water. It actually comes from directly from an animal. So anyway, you know, some people would say like some type of beer or whatever, but you know, I couldn't drink that forever and live on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't wow. want to be drunk all the time. Water into milk. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Or just milk into milk. I'm so glad I asked that question. I've learned so the, much. I about mean, you. Th- this is scriptural. The land of what? Milk okay, and honey. honey. That's true. There's <laughs> abundance in milk. Milk is like a, like a, you know, it, it is like a commodity. I mean, if you go to the grocery store, milk right now is like four bucks a gallon. At least. At least. You know, and you got, you know, eight kids and ten in the house. You think about a gallon of Tell milk, me about it. one a day. Tell me about it. That's why I got punished for milk. <laughs> well, maybe it's time to revisit that. As kids move out of the house, for us, milk is moving back in. <laughs> that You can mark my words. For every kid, it's re- you're replaced with a gallon. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm so glad I asked that question. Yeah. So anyway, great show. Welcome back to the new year of the Deacon Adam, Paul George show. And we'll be back next week. God bless you guys.